John Wick is an action revenge movie starring Keanu Reeves that emphasizes inventive choreography and expansive world building. So let's make our way through the series on the way to chapter 4. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. I'd like to make a dinner reservation for 12. Really? You didn't go with, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back? Oh, that's that's such a big, bombastic one, and I'm saving that for the sequel, so. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> well, yes, obviously, we're here to talk about John Wick, if it wasn't obvious. This is a movie podcast where we work through franchises and subgenres and themes and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the beginning of the John Wick franchise, just in time so that we can cover John Wick 4 uh, yes. when it's released. So, yeah, we're working through the three movies that are already and then finishing up with number four. And, uh, yeah, so that's came out in 2014. We'll start spoiler-free, as we always do. It is the action franchise starring Keanu Reeves, known for its uh, sort of choreography and gunplay, yeah. I guess would be how I'd put it. It's, it's a... I don't want to say a realistic because it is so over the top and how they're doing everything, but it's very gritty. It's very down to earth yes. levels of action. It isn't. It isn't. <laughs> is this, yeah. uh, what I would say because because yeah, I mean we'll get into all that uh, mm. as as we go. But uh, yeah, you know, that's had a lot of buzz when it came out in twenty fourteen. Um, nine years old now. Uh, time flies because it still Jesus. feels like a new movie. But we got four in the way, obviously, which you know within the next month. We have five on the way, I don't know if that's next year or the year after, but you know they, they mm-hmm. announced four and five back-to-back, basically. Um, yep. There's a female-led spin-off, apparently, rumoured or in development Been of some kind. Around. Uh, there's supposed to be a TV show called The Continental happening it's somewhere. There. I, I missed wa- that one, okay. Yeah. I want to say it might be on Amazon that they're making it, but... So, you know, the, 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 everything has to be a universe. Everything has to have spin-offs and expansions... Yes, but as we'll get into in this review, I feel like this movie opened with its lore. Like it, it, and even in installation one of this franchise, they were like, "No, there's a deeper underworld to this that they would love to explore if given the chance." And then, yeah, they were given the chance of all these sequels. So, I think that that has always been something they wanted to play with. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I, I was actually kind of excited about coming into doing this movie because mm-hmm. when i watched it in 2014 because you, you hadn't seen this before right i had not no so i had seen the first two before and i watched this soon after it came out like, I, I didn't see it in theaters i saw it maybe later that year you know, you know but it had a lot of buzz and I, I went into it with a lot of hype that oh like you know proper action movies are back that kind of vibe and mm-hmm. i enjoyed it well enough but i did kind of feel a little underwhelmed by, by it okay. because the the hype for it was so yeah it was so high it was so like oh you know like you know keanu saying yeah i'm thinking i'm back that was basically the action of a lot of people on twitter at the time was oh action movies like you know not superhero movies action movies are back right because of john wick so i kind of went into it with some sort of loftier expectations and but and I, there's things about it i didn't like it at the time there were some things that didn't work for me as well at the time um okay. so i was curious to sort of come back into it now basically a decade later detached from that original feeling and just sort of like, okay, let's just watch it now, now that it's, it's been a decade. Without the hype of John Wick 4 yes. influencing. W- without the hype influencing it, just, you know, I can just view it for as it is. 
uh, and we can get into it. So that's kind of where I was coming into this one. I always enjoyed it, but I, I definitely wasn't as in awe of it <laughs> as everyone right. was at the time. Uh, so, but that said, uh, the premise of John Wick is that uh, John Wick obviously is the title character played by Keanu Reeves. He loses his wife to an illness. Uh, the movie yep. kind of starts off just picking up after her death, and his wife's one of his her, his wife's final sort of acts is that she arranged a present, a delivery of a dog, uh, mm. so that he wouldn't be alone after her death because she she knew how he would be, so she wanted yeah. him to have someone to to sort of mourn with, and some assholes I'll just say <laughs> kill his dog, and steal his car. And we're slowly kind of introduced that they might have made a big mistake and F with the wrong man. And I'll just yeah. leave it there. I'll just leave it there. We'll get into everything else later. I, I, so I know you're not huge into Disney movies, but I have to assume you know about the <laughs> intro to Up. Of course, yes. I've seen Up. Yes. Which, of course, is always regarded as, like, just the biggest gut punch in, like, any sort of emotional tale. It just opens with this hugely emotional thing of... Here's everything is good, and then it just turns bad, and it hits you. This one starts with it being bad, then goes back to good, only to rip it out of your hands again, <laughs> which I feel is so much worse. Yeah, so obviously it's kind of a revenge story, largely, but mm-hmm. there's a little bit more to it than that. Um, yeah, it's that, 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 that's, that's, that's basically So, So I <laughs> guess we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into things. Uh, David, what did you think? Yes of john wick i mean obviously this franchise as we're doing it we're coming off the tail end of the turtles movies (laughs) and we we had a whole thing in there of the 2014 turtles just being the most generic sort of action film which funny enough same year as this yes exactly um but this is while it is an action film, it is such a different class of action film. It is such a step up. I can see why there was so much hype around it when it came out. Because with if Turtles was the generic, here's what you're going for, an action film in theaters, this was such a change in the right direction of, no, it has a perfectly well done plot behind it in motivating the characters it builds up the suspense it builds up the theatrics of the whole thing and the action scenes because they are directed by a former stuntman himself they are a masterclass. everything feels purposely done nothing just feels like okay just swing some punches and then we'll just film it it's no they everything here is a beautifully done dance and the visuals match it as well so honestly I find it hard to fault much at all with this movie. Obviously, it does have a few little moments here or there, but for the most part, it was a well-thought-out action film from beginning to end, and it was wildly entertaining. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with most of that, to be honest. I, I think it was a, fr- it was probably a breath of fresh air at the time because it was... Mm-hmm. In some ways, it's more advanced in like a new direction for action in the way that it handles choreography. But for the most part, I would say it was actually a throwback to an action movie of a prior era, which is the simple badass action hero who is kind of this catharsis for the audience because it's like that fantasy of like someone messes with you, but they mess with the wrong person, and he is going to be an unstoppable force to like get to the bad guys. Like that—that's effectively yep. what the movie is. It's that wish fulfillment and 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 fantasy. 
Uh, and on that level, it works really well. Uh, the action scenes, by and large, are very slick. They're very purposeful, purposeful, like you say. It's fun to actually watch the fights as opposed to the fights just being there because we're supposed to have fights. Um, particularly, mm-hmm. there's like a nightclub segment in, r- roughly right in the middle of the movie, which is kind of yep. the standout sort of chunk. That 10-minute chunk is kind of the the pinnacle of the whole thing. Um you know, so no, I still enjoy it. I, st- I still feel pretty similar to what I did before, and uh, I think it's pretty good. But I wouldn't call it amazing. I actually think the second one's a little bit better. Um, and okay. I think part of that may just be because the I think part of it's the the, the tone at the start specifically. It's like mm. it's going for this like gray, depressing. He's just lost his wife. Serious tone, and don't get me wrong. I would rather take this like overly serious start to the movie than something mm-hmm. that's self-aware and cracking jokes about what it is but you know most action movies f- of this type from days gone by are a little lighter just in the sense that they're just there's a little a little bit of a cheesier vibe and i'm not saying i want this to be cheesy i just yeah. not quite as like like it's literally grayscale almost and there's rain and there's lots of quiet shots of them standing there and it's 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 just it's just like so miserable and it's actually really funny to think about all the mythology it sets up as the movie goes on you wouldn't expect it from those first 10 minutes which is just this quiet short film about a guy like bonding with his dog and then you know i mean spirals from there just to go on the color grading of it i feel like it's an intentional choice because as you say later on in the movie he gets back into this world and the world is very vibrant like Mm. everywhere he goes it's very colorful it's very big and very briefly at the beginning of the movie, we get glimpses, like short little flashback shots of him and his wife before she got her illness. And they are also very color-filled. They are very vibrant in the same sort of way. Oh, so sure. I feel like the intention is obviously these are the two things that give any sort of meaning to John's life. Either it was his wife or it was this life he walked away from. And... I think that it was very intentional for it to be grayscale in the beginning because it's, yeah, it's the part where he does not have anything at all to work on, anything to do. No, I mean, I I get the intention. I understand why they've made that choice. And Mm -hmm. I'm not even necessarily critiquing the choice that's been made, more just that I guess part of me, both in the first viewing when I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but just kind of like guessing because it seemed, you know, relatively straightforward where it was going. Uh, And then on a second viewing, knowing exactly where it's going, it does kind of feel like you're just waiting for something bad to happen to kickstart the plot as opposed to, you know, there's this kind of a feeling I have at the start of this movie that I'm just kind of waiting for it to kick into like what it actually is going to be. Um, And my other sort of like kind of, you know, critique of the, 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 the pacing and plot would probably be that the last 15, 20 minutes, give or take, felt a little bit like after my crescendo to me like i i I felt like it it finished what i wanted from it and then it tried to like do an extra bit of plot to make me care about another ending and i'm like you know what like this doesn't matter as much as what what was already accomplished beforehand yeah it definitely it the entire plot without spoiling anything is all centered around doing one specific thing and then he does it, and like you said, there's another 15 minutes after that where they, yeah. they over the course of the movie, you could tell they were trying to add this on and said, like, no, this is like the new game plus. Like, we're going to be doing this little bit extra afterwards. It's the final, final boss. But it's like, is it, though? Because emotionally, I'm only tied to the one thing that you've yeah. said. 
So not only is it finished what it felt like the main purpose of the movie was, story-wise, um, I would also argue that, well, it's fine, I don't think any of the, act- the action in that last 15 minutes uh, comes close to some of the middle stuff in the movie. Hmm yeah i'd say so they they with again trying not to spoil anything but that's in the very beginning of the movie they set up that he is really good at driving his cars like he's practically just a stunt driver more Mm -hmm. or less uh that's i feel the only point where it really comes into play is that last scene yeah so i i mean obviously they could have just cut out the setup and then that would have easily allowed them to cut out the ending but since they did do the whole thing of he's a car guy uh, I think that that's the only place where it really could have showed up, all things considered. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, actually, because I remembered it being more egregious in my first viewing. I, I remembered like, the main thing being wrapped up like closer to the halfway point. And it's not really. Mm-hmm. It's actually more like 20 minutes before the end. But, yeah. Um, but it still had that feeling of like the actual conclusion feels a little tacked on when I was already done. I was already emotionally satisfied and felt like mm-hmm. I got to the end of the story. Uh, so that that's my biggest complaint about it. Like, so I have a little yeah. bit of a problem with the tone at the start, just feeling a little bit too like just like cold and like we're doing depressing drama before mm. the revenge story kicks in. Uh, but the bigger problem I think is that it peaks and the story even wraps up soon after it peaks. But then there's like an extra bit where they try to make you care and they try to make you care about another final conflict, and I don't think it mm. quite works. But uh, that's fair. Obviously, the action is very good and it's shot pretty well by and large throughout like there's the there's a really nice moment uh just one little thing that i don't think you know getting into too much details there's a great moment where he like stabs someone in the background while someone's like at a mirror uh, in mm-hmm. the bathroom and it's just yep. this really slick little thing that he does and it just is like I think that's like the key, one of the key things to good action is like, I always care about uh, geography in an action scene. If I can't, mm. if I'm not kind of aware of where people are in the scene in relation to each other, so I don't understand like how close they are to being a threat to each other and things like that, it doesn't work. But you, th- that makes, if you can understand that and they're fighting, that makes a potentially compelling action scene. If you add mm. onto that cool slick things that make sense in the context of that, which is what this movie is mostly trying to do and usually succeeds to be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's doing little things where you remember the little set piece moments. You remember fun little ways that he defended himself or killed someone or yep. or whatever. So, I mean, I think one of the things that I remember hearing about the most when it came out was that this was one of the I'm not gonna say only movies, but one of the few movies that really cared about the clip count of how many bullets can a gun realistically fire, mm. and then it shows him having to stop and reload his gun and he, they structure the action around that they make it interesting that instead of him just being like okay hold on every time out just gotta click okay now we can start the action it's, again it's like it, no people are still shooting at him the whole time it's part and of the, he has to make it work it's part of the choreography is the reloads mm. and and that's that's the weird thing that's so annoying about most movies not dealing with that is that rules and limitations or what ultimately make the things impressive when the characters can incorporate it and overcome it. It's why whenever yeah. I'm talking, whenever I'm talking to Tim about a horror movie that's usually centered around a ghost or something supernatural, if mm-hmm. they don't establish rules with what the strengths and weaknesses are with the the entity or with the supernatural element, then it's hard to get invested in the third act when they're trying to fight against it. Because if there's no rules established, and it's like, well, the, the the bad spirit or whatever can just do whatever it wants, and no one can yeah. has a chance. But if you set up rules. Uh, you set up uh, limitations, then those limitations mm. offer boundaries that you can work in and everything's very contextual around it. 
I think it's the same mm. thing with this, is that having action scenes where they have to incorporate, like, okay, there's only 15 shots in the gun, so once he's got these 15 shots off, he has to find time to reload. You know, is mm-hmm. he ducking at that point? Is he defending at that point? You know, what's, you know like, there's... It, it, not only does it make it feel more impressive because it feels a little bit more realistic, it also... And not that I'm saying the action is realistic, per se, because it's obviously he's like a superhero, the way oh, yeah. he's going through people. Absolutely. But, um, but it also... I think helps like designing it because it give it gives you see when you're the creator making those scenes it gives you these like chapters where okay this is where this part has to end because the gun's out of ammo so this is where he drops mm-hmm. it and does something else or how he finds time to reload like it almost helps you structure the action scene a little bit because it's not just you know yeah you know constant mowing down yeah i also think going off that rules thing that also is a benefit to the whole movie because mm. even outside the action scenes this entire world this entire life that john wick has everyone in it is highly structured and everyone has rules to it rather than it being this chaotic sort of thing of like yeah no you could walk down the street and just get shot like it's just going to happen and you're not even going to know it's there you feel like there is this tension where he could be shot at any point but you're going to be able to see it coming because they've set up that it can only happen in certain locations and other places he's safe at. It gives you that ability to breathe in certain yeah. scenes without having to like think, oh, is someone going to walk in right now and just open fire? Yeah, uh, and I appreciate that. So there's a decent bit of world building, uh, which obviously mm-hmm. the second one kind of expands upon. Um no, and obviously there's a lot of stuff here to still explore. I I, I remember seeing this though and thinking, yeah, that kind of feels like it's, it's a, a good ending. Like you know, you you could sort of just yeah. read this as the end of the story. He's went through his arc and it's done. We'll talk in spoilers what that arc is and how how it does end, obviously. But mm-hmm. there is a lot of room open to expand and sort of like do more in the world, uh, right. even if arguably the character should maybe be left alone after this. But ultimately, like the temptation yeah. to have him do more cool action shit is just to just to tantalize oh, yeah. and to i mean and go. honestly i think that's the best thing you really can do when you're not guaranteed sequels because obviously they went into john wick the first movie and it's like okay we're making this movie it's going to be cool action but they didn't know if they were going to get john wick chapters through two through five as it currently <clears throat> stands they told a single one-off story with its own complete narrative there and they left the threads open oh yeah saying, okay, we can do this, we can do that. It's the same sort of thing that during the Turtles franchise we complained about it being, you know, they set up these big things at the end of the Out of the Shadows movie of like, oh, this is going to come back in the third movie. But it's like, don't, because you don't know yeah. it's there. But what I'm saying is, though, is I kind of felt when they announced John Wick 2, I was like, it doesn't really need a sequel. And I'm not yeah. saying to the same extent as this, but, you know, if, back when we did dirty harry we said at the end of mm. the first dirty harry it was like well what's the sequel given where he ends and obviously that was a really right. egregious franchise and that the sequels just ignored what happened at the end because of okay, every other movie yeah so uh it's, it's not it's not like that like it doesn't feel like it, it betrays what happens at the end here to to do anything it does in the sequel so uh, and okay. that's a conversation more for the sequel anyway but right uh it, that was definitely one of the feelings i had when i when i saw it originally uh but you know, I, like fundamentally, it's it's kind of an old old fashioned action movie with mm-hmm. a badass hero and villains who are kind of despicable. Um, I mean, not all of them, admittedly. Some of them are a bit more diplomatic, but obviously, the main one that you hate is just this despicable piece of shit. Uh, yeah. Which you know, um, I did 
make the comparison halfway through my watching. Of course, it had to come up of equilibrium sure. with the gun kata, just because this movie is half gunfight, half martial arts. Yeah. And they blend the two together pretty seamlessly throughout. And it feels like this is probably what the gun kata from Equilibrium should have been. Not this precision of like, oh, it lands the most precise points of blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's just people who are so good at their craft that you literally can't even tell that they are just shooting wildly at some points. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I would say about the action scenes. Like, on top, on top of just the, the, it being like a dance and being like choreography, it always feels like everyone he kills in these scenes, and they're all bad guys, right? He doesn't just kill innocent yeah. people. Uh, yeah. Is They all feel like very strategic executions, and it always feels like he knows who to go for first. There, there's moments where he'll be like struggling with someone, and he'll hold them down and then shoot someone else before he turns back to the person that he was yeah. fighting with. Because they're actually a threat because they can shoot him from where they are. So he, he takes mm. them out first and then goes to the other one. There's a lot of times where he'll do two quick shots in the chest because it's the easy target to hit because it's the mass area, but he'll always finish them off with a headshot to make, just to confirm the kill <laughs> and make sure right. they're down. Absolutely. There's a lot of those little moments throughout the action scenes. Um, it always feels very uh, methodical, even though it's very quick and visceral in the way it's presented because it's like they're fighting for their lives. But he feels mm. like he's a surgeon going through a going through his, his job, yeah. just doing what he's mechanically learned to do. Uh, and obviously, the movie teases that he's the best at what he does, and you know, oh, absolutely, all that stuff. Um, one of the things in this movie that I was a little put off by during the first fight scene, because first the big first fight scene happens, I would say, I think it's at like the twenty or thirty minute mark of the movie. Um, he just kind of seems omnipotent like all knowing of where every person is mm-hmm. for that first fight scene. And I guess it could come down to, you know, he knows his house. He knows the layout. He knows based off of his operations, how people would be moving through it if they were professionals. So I can forgive that one. And then in later fight scenes, I thought it was going to be the same issue where he's just, you know, he immediately knows there are three guys around this corner and he's going to take them out perfectly. But no, you can see, especially during the nightclub scene, this, I don't want to say panicked, but just this look in his eye where he's constantly looking around, trying to get his grasp on the layout of the area and where people are. And like you said, where the next threat is, the thing that he needs to take care yeah. of next. And I I really appreciate the movie for that, of not making him feel like he walks into this place and be like, just immediately knows where everyone is. Yeah, I, I think it sort of does a bit of a balance of like making him feel like he is this like Terminator style like badass, whilst also feeling like he you know he's still having to like he's still a human being who's having to figure mm-hmm. this out. Maybe the argument for that first scene because that first action scene you're talking about takes place in his house. Maybe the mm-hmm. argument is, is that you know it's in his house with the lights out. It's his domain it's his yeah. you know he knows right. it back to front so that's You're why in my turf now yeah but pretty much so maybe that's why he's so good at it in, in that yeah. particular scene but yeah I, I think that's there well one of the things um i was going to say is that um obviously this has had knockoffs and like you know that that movie mm-hmm. nobody starring uh bob odenkirk just came out a couple years ago i was actually yeah. going to accuse the equalizer of being like a knockoff because it's very similar in a lot of ways but it came out the same year as this so I think that just proves that this the plot of this movie is not doing anything original, right? Yeah. Like, nothing about the plot itself is like breaking ground uh, or anything. 
but um i i think the i think the hype and the love for it really does come from a the visual style the choreography and b this world that they are building up because it isn't it, it almost strikes me as sort of like a comic book world where there's just this behind the scenes thing that the average person doesn't know about but it's so mired in its own continuity and its <laughs> it, own rules. Instead of superheroes with secret identities, it's hitmen with secret identities. Pretty much, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. you got this. I mean, the fact that, and we'll get into it, but they're, the Continental, this hotel, plays such a central point of. It's Switzerland for hitmen. Pretty much. And it's to the point where I'm sure John could have just staged this whole revenge plot out of his own house and it would have been fine. But he knows that there are rules to the Continental and it allows him to basically have a base of operations. And it's it's just this whole world being built up that I don't feel like it goes overboard on. You never have somebody sitting at the camera being like, well, John, as you know, here in the Continental, we have many rules that you need to follow. Number one. It's like, no, we just learn them organically over the course of the movie. What is and is not allowed. Well, there's some smart editing going on there because there's, there's a moment where uh, one of the villains, like, brings up the rules of the Continental and then it cuts to, like, the, like another mm-hmm. character saying it to John Wick. And it kind of, like, you kind of, from the editing pieces together parts of different scenes to sort of tell the story of what the rules are in the moment. So mm-hmm. the editing's doing part of the job of putting those things together. But even then, the editing puts together two scenes of one person saying, here are the rules, John, and the scene that's directly contrasting it is, yeah, we can break those rules. Like, they aren't hard and fast. They are still breakable yeah. rules. But uh, there's possibly consequences for yeah. breaking the rules that are established. Absolutely. Uh, what's worth mentioning is the director of this movie, uh, the one that's mm-hmm. credited, because there's two directors, one on credit, one credit. The one that's credited, Chad Stileski. Um yes. So he's only directed John Wick and then two and three. And obviously mm-hmm. he's got four, uh, which is coming out. He's got like ten movies uh, listed as upcoming on IMDb. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, yeah, I'm going to list these right. So you get John Wick Chapter Four. He's also attached to make the Highlander remake. He's mm-hmm. attached to the Ghost of Tsushima movie based on the video game. He's yep. attached to something called Classified, something called Shibumi, something called Black Samurai, something called Rain, something called Sandman Slim, something called Killer Be Killed, and something called Gangsters of Shanghai. Although two of them are TV miniseries, admittedly, but. Yep. That's still a lot of projects like lined up. So if nothing else, you can definitely yeah. say that the people behind this movie are getting a lot of work because of the oh. success of John Wick. <laughs> Absolutely. And then I believe, I could be mistaken here, but I believe the uncredited director, um, he did the Deadpool films. Unfortunately, as we will eventually that, get to, yeah. Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, that sounds right, yeah. And uh, Bullet Train was one of his most recent releases. Uh, Bullet Train was actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. I actually quite enjoyed that. Um, I never finished Atomic Blonde, which he also did. Uh, Deadpool movies, I can take or leave. So, uh, David Leach definitely is not one that... Uh, he's, he's definitely not one that I, I have a lot of like attachment to. To be honest, like, right. outside of his uncredited work on John Wick, because he's not listed here as uncredited on the other ones. It's just this first mm-hmm. one. Uh, yep. so outside of that I mean yeah Bullet Train is probably my favourite of his and then the other things that I've seen from him haven't done much for me but you know uh, yeah. it's kind of funny though because when Atomic Blonde came out there was a lot of like oh is this like Lady John Wick um, I remember that yeah. you know and I I ended up just stopped watching because it, it was definitely it, it went way more into the spy stuff and I I, I find spy mm-hmm. stuff to be quite dry outside of a few 
key exceptions. That's uh, fair. So I wasn't super into it, but because uh, obviously there's a little bit of spy stuff in this, but it's more Hitman than it is spy stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of the characters of this movie, without getting too much in spoilers, mm-hmm. obviously Keanu Reeves as the lead does a good job. Uh, surprising is, I would say the most surprising character for me was Willem Dafoe as kind of an old time friend in the industry. I forgot he was in this, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, he popped up in like one of the first scenes to give his condolences to John. And I'm like, oh, you're going to be in this movie a lot, aren't you, Willem? Because yeah. uh, you don't just pop up in the beginning for no reason. There's a few. I mean, you say that, but like, uh, I don't know if you watched Glass Onion when it came out, but Ethan Hawke popped up for one scene early on and then just disappeared for the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, that was weird, but all right. <laughs> that, be- that being said, I did read, because I did watch Glass Onion when it came out, I did read that apparently he was just on set and they were like, hey, you want to be in the movie? And it's like, yeah, sure. So <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, so there's a few faces in here that are recognizable. Adrian mm-hmm. uh, Pilecki plays a, a, another hitman and she... Uh, people will know. I know her from Agents of Shield, but people will know her for the Orville as well, mm-hmm. and a couple other things. Um, Dean Winters, who we just saw in Out of the Shadows, the Turtles movie, is in yep. here. I forgot he was in this, but he's actually a relatively big part. You know, he's yeah. Uh, I he's, mean, he's, he's in, in terms of IMDb, fifth credited, so yeah. pretty good. Um, you got him. Um, John Wick's dead wife is played by Bridget Monaghan, uh, who I've seen in a few things over the years, which. I mean, all credit to her. She did a good job, but, like, she may as well have just been an extra in this movie. Oh, yeah, like, it's not a big part, but, like, yeah. they, they went out of their way to get some... Not, like, a huge name by any means, but someone mm-hmm. who actually has acting credits and stuff. Uh, yeah. You know? Because, like, I want to say she's... I mainly know her from Coyote Ugly, of all things, but she's been, definitely popped up in a few things uh, over the years. Uh, just looking through her thing here, I know her from The Sum of All Fears. That's one of my favorite Jack Ryan films. I don't have a favorite Jack Ryan film. I don't even know if I've seen a Jack Ryan film. I'm sorry. I, that's one of my <laughs> tiny little idiosyncrasies. I don't watch a lot of action, but for some reason, Jack Ryan, I'm well-versed in. Yeah. Uh, we also have John uh, Lugiasmo in this, who mm-hmm. I can't seem to stay away from because uh, <laughs> New Year's Eve, I happened to watch the Assault and Precinct 13 remake. He was in that. Okay. I then watched The Menu. He's in that. We have just done John Wick. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, there's a connection to next month's movies because yep. he's going to be in one of the video game movies we're going to talk about. So you were you were actually complaining off camera last week that you thought Megan Fox was going to make up your like most watch actress just because of what movies were going to be coming up. But I think uh, John Leguizamo is going to take the top spot yeah, of most watch yeah. actor. Yeah, but one of those was right before the start of the year. So I don't know if he will. I, I think he'll oh. just fall behind. Uh I'll have four Keanu Reeves by the time we're done with John Wick, though. So, I mean, True. he'll, he'll be enough. high up in the list. Uh, what's so funny is I was expecting Lawrence Fishburne to show up in this, but he, apparently he didn't show up till the second one. Oh, okay. That's why I was expecting I, it, because like, I'm like, I was going to say, Fishburne? I was like, what in this movie would have suggested Lawrence Fishburne was going to show up besides the Matrix cast is kind of just reuniting? Yeah, well, he's in the second one, so okay, uh, you'll see you'll that, see him then. And obviously, that being said, I do want to mention there was a uh, doctor character, very low down. He only shows up in one scene, but that guy was the key master from the second Matrix movie. Oh god, I hate the second Matrix movie. I'm Don't. just saying they are doing a full reunion here in terms of Matrix cast. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned Lance Reddick uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's a very memorable role in here. 
So, yeah, you got, you got a bunch of cast members. I have to say, though, what's funny is that the, the main two villains, I don't think I really recognize from anything. So, the main, main villain of Alfie Allen, I think everyone's going to know him as Theon Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. That's kind of his big breakout role. Uh, so I'm one of the few people on the planet who quit that show because I didn't like That's, it early on. I mean, so. I, I quit it too, but I got to season like six or something like that. And then I don't even know how to pronounce his name. If you have any idea on this, Michael uh, Scrabbleword. Nickvist. Nickvist? That's what I'd say. Nickvist. All right, fair enough. It's just so a Y instead of an I. Nickvist. Yep. Uh, Michael Nickvist, he plays the father of Alfie Allen's character. He is a Russian mob boss, and he actually died very shortly after this movie came out. So, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yep. He died in 2017, so... Didn't have a lot more done in the meantime. I think this is one of his last roles, all things considered. Well, that's a shame. Uh, yep. Oh, well. Uh, huh. Well, I suppose we should probably just say spoilers then and get into the yep. uh, into the events of the movie since, you know, we're, we're dancing around things and we've went through the cast. We've talked about the direction, the action scenes, uh, which are definitely mm-hmm. the, the more prominent things to mention. Uh, so, yeah. Um, all right. So... Like we said, the movie starts with Kara Reeves being all sad. Uh, his <laughs> wife's funeral happens, he gets a dog. Well, technically, oh. the movie starts starts with a in-media res sort of thing, where it's at the end of the movie, where oh, he's sure, climbing, yeah. climbing out of a car, bleeding to death, watching a video of his wife. What, which is right at the end. When we get back to that, it is right at the end of the movie, when, yeah. when that finally comes back. But yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. There's a little tease of the ending first. Uh, I, I think that's just to be like, hey, there's going to be action. Don't worry. Look at how bloody he is. There's going to be action. Guys, please don't walk out when we kill the dog. We <laughs> swear it, it's going to get cool. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it shows that he's not prepared to take care of a dog. You know, he expects the dog to sleep in a little, you know, blanket on the floor. Mm-hmm. But he eventually gives in and lets the dog come up to the bed. So he's, he's sort of bonding mm-hmm. with the dog. He gives the dog cereal instead of kibble in the morning. Yeah. he yeah. didn't have kibble. Which I gotta say, I I appreciate that this is a nice gesture from the wife of like, no, you need someone to mourn with. Here's a mm-hmm. dog. But like, this would be the equivalent of pretty much dropping a human baby on the doorstep and being like, all right, take care of this thing that you didn't <laughs> know was coming. I think, I mean, to read into it a little bit, I would say that the the idea is here is that she knew what his past was and that she was kind of this tether that took him out of that bad world that he was in mm-hmm. and that she felt that he probably needed someone else to care for. Uh, so th- this was the idea is that, you know, give, give him the dog and it might have worked. Yeah. Like he seemed to be bonding with the dog and he, nothing bad was happening. And then it was just for kind like of like six hours. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't anything he did. That was a problem though. He just happened yeah. to run into the shithead, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Yosef, uh, who, him and his buddies and he likes John Wick's car you know when they're they're getting gas and mm-hmm. he tries to buy it and John Wick just says sorry she's not for sale and that's that's all it is uh, yeah. but of course uh, Yosef is an entitled rich mob bossy son who is a complete prick <laughs> so yeah you say during that scene that's all it is but he's um he says everybody has their price in Russian yes and he doesn't expect Keanu to know Russian, but then Keanu replies back, not this one. And he speaks it back in Russian. So I I feel like that's what set Yosef off of like being made a fool of in that mm. regard. Because otherwise, I can't tell. Otherwise, him just being pure evil. 
that's the only thing I could think would have set him off. I mean, just the idea that someone told no to him and he wants that car. But I mean, no. honestly, the idea that he's emasculated and like wants revenge because he feels slighted, it feels like it fits everything I think about the character anyway. So yeah. I'm not going to argue with you that much. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So that night, him and his, his two buddies, uh, you know, break out of the house and they, you know, they blindside John Wick and they, they knock him down. And John Wick has to watch as they kill his dog. And yep. it's, you know, I like that, you know, it kind of does this thing where it cuts away for the actual impact. And But, you know, you, you still see Keanu sitting there with, like, what's, you know, obviously it's a prop. It's not a real dog. But yeah. uh, he's sitting there with a, a dead dog in his arms and he has to bury it. And he, he is just kind of walking around like a zombie. And it, it's very, it still has that thing where you can sort of see him because like later on where it's like okay he's, he's in like super like hitman mode and he's yeah like mapping out what he's going to do in a situation and stuff you sort of get this slow zombie version of that where he's just like oh shit i don't have a car i guess i have to get the bus and he's just like we're seeing the the more regular mm-hmm. part of the plan happen but the first real tease of who he is because there's nothing really up until this point other than just you willem dafoe being this old friend of his and that he's not in the business yeah. anymore the first sign is when the the bad guy Joseph and his goons go with the car to this this auto shop place uh, that's mm-hmm. run by Leguizamo, and yep. he immediately looks at the car and goes, "Where did you get that car?" And it's like, "Wait, what?" And to the point where, and it, it cuts back and forth a little bit from different scenes, but he eventually mm-hmm. tells him to get 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 out, and Joseph's like, "We own you," and he's like, "You don't own me," and he ends up punching Joseph, and everyone his buddies are like, "Wait." the boss isn't you know vigo isn't going to like that he's like right no he won't but he'll understand when he finds out why i did it (laughs) and we see that play out where later that night vigo phones like wasamo's character and says Mm -hmm. i understood today you hit my son and he's like that's right can you tell me why he stole john wick's car and then it just cuts to vigo and he's like i see (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's like all of a sudden Lee Zam was not in trouble anymore and it's like now his son's the one that's in trouble and it, oh yeah it says this idea that they're all shit scared that they, they know who he's done this to it's it i actually wrote down in my notes at this point um that this movie does a good job of just making the name john wick sound like it is the boogeyman which mm. i didn't know what was coming immediately after this scene but they do a great job of just all you have to do is say the name and everyone in this industry immediately knows like okay yeah um i'm out bye not gonna deal with this so obviously we get this scene here where yosef comes in to the house or wherever it is and Mm -hmm. vigo starts punching him in the stomach and beating him up and saying you idiot you effing idiot you know what you've done and he's Mm -hmm. like what it's just you know i just stole some car and obviously this guy's like a mob boss he doesn't care that your son stole a car he's not some ethical dude dude right but he's like, yeah, but it's who you did it to. And he's like, what, that nobody? And he's like, that nobody. And, you know, there's almost a dramatic pause as he says, was John Wick. And he's like, yeah. huh? And then, so he explains, we get some exposition from him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he explains that he was the best at what he did, blah, blah. And I think mm-hmm. it's uh, Yosef who says, what, you're, so what, I stole a car from the boogeyman? He's like, no, you idiot. He's who you sent to kill the boogeyman. Yeah. <laughs> which, is a, which is a good line. Um, because even because because when he explains it, he says that when John Wick wanted out because he'd met a woman and he wanted out of the life, that mm-hmm. he didn't really want to let him go, so he gave him a job that no one could have completed. The idea being that John would probably end up dying, but yeah. he did it. 
he did the mission and yeah. he kind of had to just let him go like he won his freedom so okay mm-hmm. he, he got out and i i really enjoy this scene because it is it's basically the exposition scene it's it's the scene that the good guys use to talk about the bad guys. Usually, but instead, it's the yeah. bad guy talking about the good guy here. It's it's flipped on it, and it makes it that sort of menacing. And it's all intercut with Keanu using a sledgehammer to break open his garage floor in order to get to his old gear. Yeah, he's got like a case full of guns and like these gold coins they use as currency. Yep. And I just, I adore this scene because it is... It is it's selling him as the guy who can kill the boogeyman. The like everything force, we've, yeah. everything we've seen of this character beforehand is it's a guy who lost his wife, lost his dog, and got beat up by some teenagers. Like nothing in that should shout that he is able to do these things. And yet this scene sells it one hundred percent because not only is the guy who did the act scared. The dude's dad, who basically runs the Russian mob, is scared. It builds up of, these are people who we've seen already take advantage of John Wick. And once they learn who that it is John Wick, it's like, oh, okay. Um, batten down the hatches, we're going for a ride. The only thing I'll dispute there is I wouldn't say Yosef's that scared. That's kind of one of the key points of the movie, is that up until John Wick's like right in his face, basically, he's still kind yeah. of like an arrogant little shit who doesn't think he should be scared of him, and everyone else is like, you should be terrified. That's that's fair. <laughs> I, I love the one part at the end of the scene where he's like, Dad, I'll take care of this, and the dad's like, no, you won't. <laughs> you can't do anything. And I- not because you won't try, it's because you physically cannot stop this man. Yeah, because he says, like, I'll deal with this guy. He's like, how? By finishing what I started. And they can just, you see it in his eyes, like, my child's an idiot. I, he, I he raised a fool. Like, he turns back to Dean Winters and is like, was he listening to anything I said? <laughs> yeah, I think what's interesting about it is that, yeah, it is very much how the, the heroes usually talk about the villain. But you, mm-hmm. this movie treats it like our main character is the villain to this criminal underworld yeah and i think what makes it work is the idea that he used to be a part of this but now if he is going back and that's a question that they all ask him are you back in this now and then he eventually mm-hmm. does have the big line where he says yeah i'm thinking i'm back mm-hmm. is that he's back now with you would assume or at least it feels like he's back with more of a moral compass because he lived a normal life with a good innocent person and he yeah. appreciates what normal life is now, and i'm not saying that he was a complete prick before I don't know if you know, he, he probably had a code, and I assume. Oh, yeah. but... Well, I'm assuming the code is the same as all the other hitmen we've seen, which is you take a contract, you take a job, you don't actually just kill indiscriminately. Yeah, yeah. But I have to assume that he he has a bit more of a, a heart this time mm. now because he's went through this with his wife. And that's like, we get to latch on to him. So it's the guy who's is maybe, I don't maybe remorseful is not quite the right word, but perhaps mm. he's remorseful for some of the things that he's done in his past now. And, He's, yeah. he's back in a different way. He's a grown mm-hmm. character. Uh, and it's not so much that we've seen that growth. It's more just a hint of, like, the bastard that he used to be. Mm-hmm. and like, But now he's got now he's doing it for a purpose that we can get behind because they killed that dog. I think that <laughs> the one thing that they do to kind of sell that is while he's giving this big speech and before he's breaking open the uh, sledgehammer stuff is right when they say it was John Wick, they show him in the shower. And up till this point, you know, he's been dressed smartly he's been going to his wife's funeral he's been just living life but this is the first point where you see him in the shower and you get a visual on his back and it's just 
head to toe like back tattoos yeah yeah like he is completely covered with all this ink of like uh the latin phrase for like fortune favors the strong and a whole bunch of like reapers and angels and stuff like that it gives you the sense of this guy that you saw for the first 20 minutes is not the guy you're going to be following for the rest of this movie yeah yeah and i think it's also this idea that you know when he eventually does kill yosef uh mm-hmm. or or actually it's not even when he kills him i think it's like after the nightclub scene when he phones him uh yosef's yeah. on the phone with him he says something to the effect of like you know it's not actions have consequences but it is something that means that basically it was yeah. that, that kind of sentiment and I think there's this idea in the movie, because he says it a couple of times to other people when he's talking about his wife, that he, he lived a life for four years that he doesn't think he deserved. And mm-hmm. it's the idea that he doesn't he doesn't think the life he's led deserved the consequences he got with that life. And that maybe in some level, he thinks it all falling apart is like maybe, like, not that he believes in karma or anything like that, but yeah. maybe he does deserve it for it all to fall apart. He doesn't deserve to have that happiness. I think that it was Vigo towards the end of the movie that basically just spelled that out. He was like, yeah, we're in a certain kind of life and I let you out. But in the end, we always knew it was going to come back because the things that we have done, the things that you have done are unforgivable. And if there is a God, he is purposely taking away these things that make you happy because of the things you've done. Yeah. I see what's about. Can people change? And I think the ending kind of gets to that a little bit, but, um, yeah, it's all this build up to him, and there's a moment after that these two scenes playing out side by side where he's breaking out his guns and stuff, mm-hmm. and Yosef's getting the shit kicked out of him by his dad, uh, <laughs> where Vigo goes into his phone book that he's got in his safe, which has a very similar set of coins that John Wick has to show, yeah, they're part of the same world. Yep. Uh, he And he phones John Wick, and John Wick never says a word on the phone. Uh, nope. But Vigo's like, hey, like, I'm sorry to hear about your wife, and, you know, my son's done this thing. I just, you know, we have to you know, talk about this, like, you know, civilized, you know, adults here. Mm-hmm. And John doesn't say anything. He just hangs up the phone. And when Dean Winter says, you know, what did he say? Vigo just goes, enough. I, I really yeah. like that as a sort of payoff to, like, him being quiet. Oh, uh, absolutely. So he, he knows that he's in trouble and he puts out a contract in John Wick and mm-hmm. uh, so on and so on. So, yeah. So John Wick uh, goes to the Continental. Um, and we find well, out about this place. I, right oh, inside there, the very first thing that happens is the home invasion scene. Oh, sorry, I'm skipping over this. Yeah, he, he sends yep. a bunch of people to his home, which actually, which mm-hmm. makes sense, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because that's kind of what prompts him to go to the Continentals, that his home gets shot up and invaded yep. by a force. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, because before he puts out a contract, he just sends Dean Winters, or he gets Dean Winters to send, like, a, a team. It's like a SWAT team, but, you know, criminal yep. SWAT team. Uh, mm-hmm. And they break into his house, but John Wick's expecting it. John Wick's, you know, he's... he's and I want to point this out is that this is the first point in the movie. And for the rest of the movie, it will be this. Everyone's wearing suits and ties. Everyone <laughs> yeah. is smartly dressed. It, I, I have to assume that it's one of those things of, you know, building up the lore. Like this is a professional thing. This isn't mm-hmm. a, this isn't some thugs breaking into a house and like just doing basically the thing that the son did at the beginning. This is all part of the up and up hitman world that they are building. But it just seems like one of those things that they could never hope to explain because there's no way that he is tactically any better with wearing a tie at any point. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It just struck me as it's it's obviously a character. It's the way that we visualize John Wick is wearing this outfit, but they don't ever go through it in the movie of explaining, OK, but 
why did he put on a suit? I don't think you need to explain that. Yeah. In the end, it it would have just been a disservice to do so. But it's one of those things that I'm like, everyone is wearing a suit at all points in this movie now. And it, the first thing that goes in my mind is there's parts where he, you know, he's choking out people, but at no point does he ever grab their tie and just pull. I feel like that should be the easy one. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah, so we get this action scene where he takes on uh, this team coming into his house. Um, and it gives you, like, it's not the best action scene in the movie. It just gives you a little bit mm-hmm. of a taste. Although my favorite part of this particular scene is, I think it's the, la- the very last guy where he's struggling with them. They're both like, you know, the guy's got a knife and John Wick sort of turns it on him. And it's that thing mm-hmm. where he's trying to struggle to push it down. And to eventually win this this struggle for strength, is he starts, mm-hmm. like, he keeps a hold of the knife with the other guy's hands with one arm, and then he starts, like, pounding on his hand, like like he's hammering something in, and that yeah. stabs the guy every time he does it, and that mm-hmm. ends him the fight. That's just a fun, yeah. inventive way to end the fight scene with a knife. <laughs> I, I also liked shortly before that, um, there was a scene where there's just, you know, a divider in the room, a little bit of drywall, yeah. and there's a guy on either side, John on one, and him on the other. And it goes to that bit of omnipotence I was thinking of before, where the one guy turns, John ducks, the guy shoots through the wall, and then John shoots up into where he would, like, the guy's head would be. So despite the fact they never saw each other, they still managed to have a gunfight. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun moment, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and there's a couple of key things that happen here, again, doing some world building. Is There's a cop who shows up because there was noise mm-hmm. complaints, and the cop even sees the dead body lying on the floor, but he's just like, hey, John, and he's like, hey, Jimmy. Like, uh, are you like doing professional stuff again? He's like, nah, just sorting out a few things. He's like, okay, I'll leave you be then. <laughs> At least. Yeah. Which says, I mean, I guess you could read it as the like the police force is so corrupt they just know about the hitmen and stuff. But it's like yeah. he, he just knows not to get involved. It's like this is this is above my pay grade. I'm not- <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I I really like that scene because it's it's a humorous beat at the end of this large fight scene, but it also perfectly explains, like, why are the police never called for any future fight scenes? And the answer is, they know not to. Pretty much. I mean, it said later on, uh, Vigo has blackmail stuff and a lot of, like, Mm high-profile people at the city. You have to imagine that all these, like, high-upper hitmen characters have all got kind of, like, weird relationships when it comes to the law system. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, so that, that, that this isn't like small time criminals. These are people who are protected, and the police mm-hmm. know they're protected, so they don't go near them, kind of thing. Uh, yep. And then the, the other bit of mythology that's kind of introduced here is uh, first of all, calling for a dinner reservation is actually calling mm-hmm. for a cleanup crew, and that's uh, when uh, well, the cleanup crew guy comes in uh, with these yep. two cleaners, and they clean up the scene. Actually, I thought I recognized that actor. I'm just going to double-check and see if I know Yeah, him. he seemed very familiar during the scene, but I could not tell you exactly where what it was, but I liked that this it is was, the first it, time... It was. Okay. It looks so different because he's, he's older, but it's uh, David Patrick Kelly, who... Okay. Who I, I know from Commando um, mm. and Twin Peaks. People might see him in other things, uh, but yeah, that is him okay. in, the, in the bowler hat who shows up... To, to do the cleanup crew. Uh, some Fair people enough. probably blown from the Warriors and the Crow. He's in those movies too. Mm, okay. I definitely seen Warriors. Um, but no, I really like that because this is where it starts setting up the gold coins. Because we obviously saw that John has, when he was using the sledgehammer, one side of the case was a few guns, but then the other side was just full of these gold coins. And obviously they were all collected from jobs that he had 
picked up throughout the years, but no, they, we didn't know what they were for. We had no idea what these coins were used for. And he takes 12 of the coins and he gives it to the guy and says, all right, 12 bodies, 12 coins, here you go. And then it's just done, no questions asked. And that's where we get the understanding that this is the currency that this world uses, that all the hitman operate off of basically a single cold coin is a no questions asked, do the thing, which then also lends credence to for John to have this many coins, just how many people did he kill beforehand? Yeah, and they are exchanged for different things, so they may have come from not exactly all kills, but yeah, I mean, it gives you the idea that they probably are mostly kills and yep. gives you a sense of what he's doing. Because, you know, he pays for the Continental with one gold coin um, right. and so on. Uh, so, but they definitely do use money for the kills, though, as well, because they, you know, later on, like, there's a $2 million contract on John Wick. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so a bit, a bit of both, I suppose. Uh, mm. But... Uh, but yeah, he goes to the Continental, and we get this established, and this is the best place to talk about it as any, is that this is a hotel where hitmen and people in that world go to stay, but there yep. are rules. Uh, this Continental is safe ground. No one's allowed to attack each other there, and certainly not kill each other there. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you do, there's severe penalties. In fact, the one character we see in this break that rule is assassinated at the end of the movie for doing so. Yep. So... It sets up these rules, and they've got, like, an in-house doctor because the people who go to the Continental might need one from time to time. Yeah. Uh, so. I do I do like when they introduce the doctor. It's John comes up to the desk, and he's talking to Lance Reddick's character. And he's like, do you have a doctor on staff? He's like, yes. And how good is he? He's very good. Okay, send him up. Also, how's your laundry service? As he's just drenched in bullet holes and blood. <laughs> and it's like, uh, not that good. Yeah, not not no no laundry service is that good. I think was the exact. Line. Yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the second movie I remember playing with this idea of it being a safe haven where mm. they're not allowed to fight. Being, I, I think it uses it even better in the second one from what I remember. Okay. So it really plays Fair with all those rules. Uh, whereas here, it is set up and obviously it's used a little bit with uh, uh, uh what was her name? Uh, uh, Perkins. Perkins, yeah, the uh, uh the, the Adrian character. Uh, mm. so, yeah, but obviously he's coming for the son. He goes hunting for him. He, he goes looking, and he gets intel of him being at uh the nightclub. Where does he get that intel from again? Uh, the nightclub. Where does he get that info? I think he just follows the friends. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, he just follows the. Yeah, he just follows the friend there. And yeah. He, yeah, he eventually tortures him to get the the main guys downstairs in the bathhouse. But yeah, which one thing that we skipped over, which does come up, is that um, Willem Dafoe's character, as we mentioned before, he's approached by Vigo somewhere in here, and basically given the contract specifically. The contract is open; anyone can take it. But he wanted Marcus Willem Dafoe's character to know about it specifically, and Marcus says that he's going to take it. Marcus says that for $2 million, he's willing to kill John Wick. Notable, though, given the twist later that he's actually doing it to help John Wick and sort of keep an mm. eye out for him, uh, he mm. does notably ask, is it an open contract first? And in and, and, and the scene, that reads as, like, is this an exclusive? You know, I'm not going to have to worry about other people taking it from me. But I think right. in the context of knowing that he's wanting to protect John Wick, this is him checking, wait, is he in danger from other people? Uh, mm. Kind of thing. So, uh yeah, so it sets up that, yeah. I was probably just going to yep. bring that up when we got to, like, the no, Marcus stuff, when, when, you know, we became more relevant. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so the whole nightclub section is very entertaining. It, it's, 
you know, at first you've got all these security teams and they're checking in and they're saying there's no sign of John mm-hmm. Wick, everything's good. Uh, as John Wick is like going around like Michael Myers taking out <laughs> security well, before guards. before that, before he even gets in there, he comes up against the doorman, the bouncer. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he has a little conversation with him, which apparently in some interviews, the conversation goes as, um, hey, I think it's like Kevin or something like that. He's like, hey, Kevin, looks like you lost some weight. And Kevin says he lost 60 pounds. And he's like, oh, wow, that's great. How about you go home, Kevin? And Kevin then just lets John in without alerting anybody. But apparently, um, according to interviews, the 60 pounds was a coded way of saying that there are 60 guys inside. Ah. And Kevin was actually giving him the little hint of, you're going to have to face down a lot of them. Yeah, he's like, take the night off, Kevin. He's like, yeah, it's a good idea, Mr. Wick. I'll, I'll, I'll head mm-hmm. off before the yeah. carnage starts. Uh, but you know, you see, you see him, obviously, there's a cool bit in the bathroom that I mentioned earlier with him, like, you know, stabbing mm-hmm. the guy in the in the reflection when the other dude can't see him. Uh, mm-hmm. But when he starts going down his way, obviously, he's doing it stealthily as possible, but eventually, one of the fights breaks into, like, through the shelves and to, in front of people, and they all mm-hmm. start freaking out. Uh, and a lot of these people are kind of like in their swimsuits because they've been in a swimming pool. And... Yeah, that's the one thing I didn't get about this nightclub is that it's like one half nightclub, one half bathhouse. And then I'm pretty sure the top floor was like an art gallery. It just seemed like a very strange collection of buildings uh, the, the, all just lumped the, together. It's, it's basically, it's probably the Russian mob, you know, they, like, Yosef likes all this stuff, so this is everything yeah. they've put in it. So I don't know. I, I can't explain it. Uh, they just want a, a series of interesting locations for these fights to happen. So we just want them mean, to go they from one it. to the yeah. They want to go from one to the next to the other. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot. There's a lot of fun stuff in here, uh, and uh, probably my favorite choreography is just th- this extended fight sequence where he's, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, he has to stop to reload the gun at one point. There's, there's a moment where he goes to fire and there's no bullets left, and he just sort of has to quickly like do shush, 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 you know, and sort of put the new clip in. And then just yep. immediately shoots the guy, and the guy's just not got enough time to sort of react to it and protect himself. Uh, mm-hmm. He eventually has kind of a more sort of like serious fight with one guy who's kind of holding his own against him, and it actually throws him over a balcony onto the dance yeah. floor. Uh, I thought that thud felt really impressive. It felt like a you know proper stunt. It, it did, but at the same time, I feel like that was an edit. I, think, I feel yeah. like it was a. I think there it was, was a, a very well done edit, but it was still an edit. I think there was a cut the second he hits the floor, but it actually yeah. kind of added to the impact. It was it was mm-hmm. it was an interesting little moment as far as like the feel of it went. Uh, yeah. But there's a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of moving someone's arm as they're going to shoot him so that they don't hit mm-hmm. him, and then he can take shots at them. There's a lot of that going on throughout as as it's going yeah. through. Like, that's where I feel the gunkata stuff really comes in, because you easily could have had John Wick just go up to the top balcony, keep an eye out, and then just shoot the guys as they're walking around. But they don't. They particularly get guns very close quarters. So you have to do some aspect of martial arts in order to just basically make it so the gun doesn't fire point-blank range at someone's chest. Yeah. Uh, and obviously... Yosef gets away though. He he's running away mm. the whole time. He, he he takes some of the the pretty ladies he had in the pool with them and uses them as a shield for a minute before he runs it's like out. Every time he's on screen, the director's just like, "How do we make him even more despicable? <laughs> How do we make it so nobody's gonna like him by the end?" Uh, even his own father. Uh, yeah. All, all, his own father ultimately ends up just sort of giving him up just so that he yeah. can save his own life a bit later on. I mean, if you were in his spot, wouldn't you? 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, he, you know, John Wick after this scene, he, his heart is injured. Uh, mm-hmm. Perkins attacks him in his hotel room. Uh, yep. Notably, he's... And this, is, this becomes clear later on when you realise William Dafoe is on his side. But William mm-hmm. Dafoe... Because I was thinking in the moment, like, why did William, William Dafoe miss him? Because he takes a yeah. staper shot at him when he's lying in bed, but he hits the pillow next to him. And I'm like, how did you miss that shot? He was lying still. But obviously it's clear later on. Mm-hmm. He's he, trying to he, wake him up. Yeah, he sees Perkins entering the room. And I thought, when I still thought that Marcus was against John, that he was waking him up because if Marcus killed him here with someone else in the room, that person could take credit for it. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And would get the bounty. So he was keeping him alive until it was a point where he could say, no, I'm the one who killed him. But again, that all gets turned on its head later on. Yeah. Honestly, I do think Perkins is kind of a weak character in this. Mainly, yeah. mainly just because it feels like he he, he he wins a fight with her here, right? And mm. he ties her up and he, there's another hitman here that he knows that he's friendly with and... It is kind of funny having them just casually have a conversation as they're holding guns in their hands, just suddenly like, yeah. oh, how, how are you, John? What's, how's it been? And he's like, hey, do you want to like, get a coin for you know keeping an eye on this one? And he does. Mm-hmm. And there's just a scene a little bit later where she like breaks free of her restraints and kills this guy. And yeah. then she pops up later. And most of her stuff after this is in that last like section where it feels that like they have, we've done the main story and we're tacking on some extra stuff. So that's why I feel like Everett Mahar feels a bit weaker because most of it feels like it's set up for that last part of the movie where she needs to be a threat to add on to like the the post main story stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I I I agree in that she has that one fight scene, and then after that, she's not really a physical threat at all. She's just kind of a threat in the fact that she's she's pretty much a spy is all she is for the rest of the movie. She gives information to certain people and then she just dies. So I think she, out of all the characters in this movie, she's the one that feels the most underutilized yeah. in terms of what they gave her to begin with and what she ended up with. Yeah. So she was a little bit thinner to me as a character, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, aside from that though, like John Wick going after uh, Vigo's money and like, sort of like, Oh, he's never going away. He's going to keep coming. Right. Uh, in fact, we've not even mentioned uh, Ian McShane yet, somehow. True, uh, yeah. Who, who's, who runs the Continental, right? He's the owner of it. And, mm. you know, tries to... He's kind of friendly with John Wick. He's like, but remember, you can't do anything on, on these grounds. Uh, is this really worth doing this? And, you know, John Wick says, this is personal. This is not, like, a contract. This is yeah. not something like that. This is personal. So Basically, he's the, he's the one who reminds John, like, hey, look, you actually got out in an industry where nobody gets out. Yeah. So maybe just second guess whether or not you actually want to be doing this. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, like, on some level, does he want to come back to this because he's lost, like, his, his, yeah. his other life that he had is effectively dead because his wife's dead and that she was the main part of that life. Um, yeah. I think there's a little bit more to it. I'll talk about it when we get to the ending, though, cause just for what the arc mm-hmm. is. But um, he, he, you know, he goes after Vigo's money. Uh, you know, he finds like his church, which is a front, and like mm-hmm. kills all the guys in there, and then burns all of the money and stuff that he had in this like vault that he had underneath yeah. this church, which obviously pisses Vigo off quite a bit. Which I I noticed that was the one thing I was like, are you sure about that? When he burned the money, obviously bad move because he's pissing off Vigo, but. Also, there were just the gold coins that they use as currency. It'd be one thing to burn it. I guess that's sending a message. But at the same point, I feel like you could use those coins. 
even if you couldn't use the money itself. Ah, he's sending a message. Just it's about burning yeah, everything he wants to the ground. He's just doing the Joker thing from Dark Knight. Not well. I would call it exact same thing, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, you know, it, it is kind of feel like oh, he's unrelenting because as soon as Vigo gets out of this this scene, because John Wick's watching as they react to all this, he just comes mm. out with the big machine gun and starts firing at him and taking out all of his henchmen. Uh, like he actually gets taken down for a little bit here because mm. uh, like. I think it's uh, the vulture. Someone just yeah. Is someone that, just comes out with a car and yeah. just hits him. Well, no, it's that, no, they don't hit him with a car. They hit a car that he's standing next to into him. He's still hit by a car. That is technically still what happens. He is hit by a car, but it's more like a game of pool where one car gets hit into another yeah. car that hits him. True. Which makes it more visually interesting, I would argue. Yeah, it does. It also, I mean, that's the thing that gets me, though. I understand if you get a concussion, you get a concussion. If you're knocked out, you're knocked out fine but it's strange to me where the lines are drawn in terms of what john can actually handle in terms of physical like he gets stabbed he gets grazed with bullets at times but apparently just you know he's hit by a car and knocked down on the ground that's enough well it knocks him out and i mean we even mentioned that after the nightclub stuff he gets patched up and he's got all these stitches and he's told that they're going to burst if he does any any physical activity and i would say that he does a lot of physical activities after that yeah. scene I love the doctor in that he, because obviously he's the doctor for the entire Continental. He knows what's up. And he literally tells him like, okay, if you're done, please don't move like anything at all. But <laughs> I I have a feeling you're not. So just take these for pain relief beforehand. It's not going to stop your stitches from popping, but you won't feel it at least. If anything, because I think the ending kind of addresses this because he goes to the vets to patch himself up, right? Mm -hmm. But... I feel like he should have, those stitches should have popped, like, almost immediately. Like, because it's the, yeah. the fight with uh, Perkins and his, his hotel room is after that doctor scene. I feel like they should have mm. popped in that scene. He was rolling about oh, yeah. and kicking and shit. <laughs> like, they should be done I mean, already. do we, I don't, do we have anything that says he didn't immediately call the doctor back and get it fixed up again after I Perkins mean, the, was taken care of? He could have done that. Nothing in the movie tells us he did that, though. All right, fair enough. I mean. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, you, you could have had like one scene where he calls down to. Like, you don't have to have a scene where he's patched up. You just have to have a scene where he calls uh, Lance Reddick and goes, "Hey, yeah. I need, I need the doctor again." <laughs> and I, I know that we're, I know that we're physically regressing in the movie at this point. But during that Perkins scene, I forgot to mention that pretty much for the entire fight, we keep on cutting to Lance Reddick, who's calling up to the room. Yeah, and yeah. he's just <laughs> sitting there casually waiting on the phone. And then finally, when John answers, just like, "Oh, sorry to bother you, but uh, we heard that there was a noise up there," and he's like, "Yeah." Someone uh, came into my room and they're like, oh, uh, do you need a dinner reservation? <laughs> yeah. Now, all, all that stuff's pretty fun. But like I said, mm. he's, he's this force that just comes after. Like, I love how he doesn't... In some ways, you could argue it goes against the planning strategy that he, he showed in the previous scenes. But he doesn't mm. even really like form much of a plan for attacking like Vigo with all of his bodyguards around him. He just starts opening fire and just starts taking them out because he's confident that he can. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's kind of getting into a thing of during the night scene, the nightclub scene, there is this, I don't want to say mortality to him. There's not this feeling like, oh, I might actually die here. Like he feels pretty confident in stuff, but he is still staying aware. He is still keeping things open. This feels like such a bold move on his part of burning the money and then just coming after Vigo that it's, it's almost like he's buying into his own mythos at that point. 
to play devil's like advocate, right? And not, not that I disagree with that point, but to play devil's advocate here, arguably, this is why he fails here and gets caught, is because oh, yeah. he, he's too bold, he tries something that's not that well thought out, because uh, mm-hmm. he's getting angry, you know, he, he's he's getting, it's getting too personal almost, yeah. where he's starting to I be mean, like, I mean, you say devil's head. advocate, that's, that's the point I was making, is oh, I think sure, that yeah. that's, that's the reason he lost, is that he is buying too much into his own stuff, and he's starting to be like, no, I'm, I'm going to do this, yeah. not thinking how he's going to he just knows he will and he wakes up tied to a chair vigo's there uh you know basically mm. grilling him for what he's been doing and says it was just a dog it's all it was just a dog in a car like wh- why are you doing all this and yep. that's when he's you know he gets the angry speech where he's like no no like i got out i had this life and she died and the one bit of hope i had uh that maybe i could move on and survive afterwards was that dog that she gave me and your yep. son took that from me, killed that from me. And people keep asking mm-hmm. if I'm back. Well, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And then he says, if you don't give me your son, then you're going to burn with him. Uh, yep. And Vigo gives the order to kill him and he starts suffocating him and he walks out the room. And you're thinking, how's he getting out of this one? He's tied to a chair. He's got a bag over his head. Uh, <laughs> and that's when the payoff of uh, William Defoe's character uh, mm-hmm. comes in where he snipes the two guys and... Uh, John Wick out of the chair and you know the, the chase comes on and you know we get this car chase where he comes after uh, Vigo you know he's shooting people mm-hmm. through the, the cars he's climbing on top of the cars I mean you say car chase he I'm pretty sure in this particular scene he lets the car drive down the road he cuts across an alley and then he just like jumps up on top of the hood and starts shooting at it again it's not really so much a chase as it is a well He's chasing him while he's in a car, is what I, what I was getting at. Oh, but me saying he gets hit by a car is too pedantic. All right. Well, no, I wasn't. it wasn't about being pedantic. It was about leaving out the cool detail. Oh, okay. Give you that. <laughs> the, the, the fact that it was a car into another car is what made it cool. Okay. <laughs> so I won't argue. Uh, yeah, but he, he ends up, he's killed all his men. Uh, I think at this point, even Dean Winters has been killed. Because isn't there a moment? No, Dean, Dean shows up at the end. Oh, no, you're right, you're right, right. Because it's later on where he gives Dean Winters a gun and says, good luck. That's right, that's later mm-hmm. on. Uh, but he holds him at gunpoint and he's, he's like, give me your son. And he's like, <sighs> and call off the contract. And he's like, okay, if I give you my son and I call off the contract, you'll let me go, right? He's like, I'll keep my word. <laughs> so he's like, that's where my son is. He's at a safe house. He's got like a dozen men. They'll be waiting for you. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, the next scene is literally just John Wick going to this location, taking out all the guys and getting to, you know, Yosef, the little shit that he is. And, yep. you know, Yosef's about to yell, it was just a dog. And John Wick kills him before he can finish the sentence. He just executes him. Which there are two things in this scene that I want to bring up. The first of which is this is... Except for the Yosef death, this is the first scene where John is a sniper, where he is mm. away from the action, he's away from the fight, and he's just picking them off one by one, which I think is a good aspect to have here of we've been through all the close quarters combat stuff during the nightclub scene. We've seen that he can do that. It's good to see a different type of action at this point. Um, So there's that. But then the other thing that we haven't mentioned here is the way that they handle subtitles in this movie which is anytime that they're speaking Russian, we have the subtitles pop up on screen, but instead of it just being normal text at the bottom, 
it's somewhere in the middle of the frame and the word that is emphasized is in like this neon font. yeah it's it's not every like sometimes they are just kind of normal but there are these moments where it wants to emphasize and be more i guess comic booky for lack of a better yeah. term uh where it'll kind of really emphasize and i think like one of the moments is when yosef saying it was just an effing dog but he doesn't mm-hmm. finish the sentence you actually get like it's just like an effing and like you know the that word is like bold and like in yellow yeah. or whatever um and then the gunshot happens but there is yeah mm-hmm. there's moments throughout where there's these like little moments where it'll emphasize one word like that mm-hmm. um so which is good because it's a bit of personality and i want to make it clear even yeah. though i was complaining about it being a bit too self-serious early on i'll take mm-hmm. that over uh self-aware because like yeah. so many movies are self-aware now um yeah. i want it to be a little bit lighter but i don't want it to be self-aware like i, I want to make that clear I, I feel like the scenes with like the police officer and Lance Reddick calling yeah, up to the room, that's, that's the perfect level. That's where it's just, you have this huge fight scene or you're still having this huge fight scene. And it's just a little bit of levity once it's done where it's like, okay, we, we take a breath audience. You're good. You're good to go. It's not ruining the fight scene itself yeah, by I, interjecting it. But it's not, I'm not necessarily asking for levity though. I don't, I don't want jokes. That's not necessarily no. what I'm saying. I just, it just is so like serious and cold at the start, yeah. you know. Like I, just just a little bit of lightness onto the tone, not just no, not so much like cracking jokes or anything like that. Uh, not that none mm-hmm. of those moments are that are funny are out of place and don't fit because uh, you know I think they they do, but mm-hmm. um, it, it certainly uh, you know I'm just saying handling the tone and the tone is is pretty fine actually once the movie gets like proper into it, but. Mm. Uh, you know that, that's what I'm thinking back to, and I, the reason why I'm thinking of it now is just because we're talking about the subtitle thing. Is that feels like personality? That feels like the movie's yeah. got a bit of character, and I think the movie at the start is maybe feeling like it's lacking that a little bit. Like it's almost going for like super yeah. normal, dry intentionally, and maybe that's a creative choice. And I can respect maybe what they were going for with that, but they maybe done it too well because <laughs> because I was, it just was a bit too dry for me. At yeah, the start. I, I, on my side of it, I. I do think it's an intentional choice, and it's basically just to show the contrast between the hitman life, which is so over the top and full of that character, compared to the life that he built with his wife, where it was, it's just a normal life. He woke up, he paid bills, I assume he had a normal job, and that's all it was. And that's the sort of thing where it needs to be that duller color, so that when you get to the characterizing fashion of the hitman world it's pops that much more yeah i i get what it's doing um yeah it so but yeah ultimately what i'm saying with all that is just that i mm. appreciate that it knows what it is and it's got like a goal of what it wants to be even if i don't necessarily right. think everything it hits is i think right or perfect for my taste but mm-hmm. uh you know because it, it does feel like it is trying to be cool and i think it mostly succeeds in being cool which yeah. is which is, is a compliment because most things that try to be cool mm-hmm. i i think don't you know like being cool it, it should be effortless right and that's, yeah. that's kind of what makes something cool is that it's effortless um and i think when they're walking around in suits and they're trying to sound all badass that's when it feels like it could feel try hard but it backs mm-hmm. up with the action which is the part where no no effort went into this and it's actually just cool like they're actually pulling off cool moments here and it feels like yeah yeah so it's not just it's not it's it's got bite as well as bark i guess is what i'm i'm saying (laughs) uh um so it is worth noting that 
Yosef is shot mm-hmm. at this point, and we still have 20 minutes left. Yes. This is Which, what I'm talking about, is that yeah. Yosef is the one that we hate. He's the one we don't like. And even though he's never going to be a threat to John, it was never going to be this, like, oh, this final fight's going to be epic when he gets to Yosef because Yosef is, like, his match. It's not that type mm-hmm. of movie. He's a little shithead, and you want to see him get his comeuppance. And we, we hit that. And obviously, Vigo afterwards, like, even though he gave up his son, he still wants to get back at John for it. And the movie yeah. tries to make us care about this by having him kill William Defoe's character. That's kind of the the big thing that happens here. But it kind yeah. of felt like it was trying really hard to make us care about getting Vigo now. And I just, I never did in the same way, you know? No. that's it. I think it's an issue of Marcus was just too underdeveloped as the friendship with John. He had mm-hmm. the opening condolences and then after... He killed Yosef. He came up and was like, hey, you did it. Now get out while you still can. Like, leave this life. Don't yeah, come back. Like, I, I like the reveal that he was an ally because it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a nice side character that could potentially come. Obviously, he can't now because he's dead. But this is a potential side character that could be developed in a sequel or something. That, and the relationship may be cool to explore. The dog mm-hmm. meant more, though, because the, the entire thing with the yeah. dog is it wasn't just that he bonded with a dog. It was the dog that he bonded with that was like a... Not only a gift from his wife, but the whole point was is that his wife knew he'd become cold and emotionless without something like mm-hmm. that. So she was trying to sort of like extend that for him even after her death. So there was a lot of like narrative meaning to the dog beyond just he bonds with the dog. Uh, but then, of course, you have the face value of, oh, it's a cute dog. And like, yeah, you know, he watched it die. Like, those, I mean, know, it works on all I mean, the levels. There's, there's literally been studies about that where... You know, you can kill as many people as you want on screen and audience be like, yeah, that's fine. But as soon as you kill the dog, it's like, okay, someone's got to pay for that. Absolutely. So, you know, it just it never quite has that bite to it. And don't get me wrong. Like, I enjoy a good fight in the rain as much as anyone. And that's, you know, where it ends <laughs> up, you know? Yeah. John Wick comes after Vigo and they have a, there's, there's, there's some car stuff first. Uh, and then yeah. ultimately, like, John's killed everyone else. And I think up until it this is- point is maybe something else they could have done to make this more exciting. Is that if mm-hmm. they'd actually even given me a hint that Vigo might be able to actually take John Wick in a fight, I might have been excited yeah. about them facing each other. But it felt like it came out of nowhere to me where, wait, you're going to fight him hand-to-hand combat? I, the way I feel right now is that you don't stand a chance. And yeah, I absolutely. guess, you know, John, okay, he's maybe been through some fights, he's a bit injured and whatever, but he still feel like you don't stand a chance. And I never really felt like he was a proper threat. Well, I think that's the biggest issue is in the beginning of the movie. They, they took the time to tell us that Vigo fears john wick and for good reason there is nothing he can do so i don't think there was any point in this movie where they could allow vigo to stand a chance against john wick because we he literally said that no one does so i don't don't get me wrong it leaves something for a sequel the idea that we're going to interest a villain you know and i don't know this is spoiling anything it makes sense that in the sequels no, you give you give him the evil John Wick. You give him the one who's as good as he is mm. on the opposite side, and that's like something you can do in a sequel, right? I get that. But in this movie, I think you can do it. I think I think you can slightly reframe how Vigo reacts to make it work. You have him scared because oh, my son's effed because my son mm-hmm. can't fight him, right? I know I yeah. can technically take him on, but I would rather not escalate to that conflict because I know that he's my match. I know that this is like a mano a mano type thing, and right. if me and John go to war. We're going to destroy each other because we're of a similar skill level. But he never it never feels like that in the rest of the movie. No. But this final fight scene almost does feel like, oh, they are maybe equals in a fight because they're kind of going toe-to-toe. Or- yeah, the only thing that I 
I think that they try to do. It is worth noting one bit of trivia I saw is there were many alternate cuts of this final fight scene. Ah, uh, okay. One of which is John just shoots Vigo and leaves. So, yeah, they they at multiple points were like, no, this is this doesn't make sense that this character can last for too long against John, and I think that's why, for whatever reason, and I think this is the decision that makes the least sense. John agrees to do it just fist fight. He tosses his gun and they just fist fight in the rain, which, yes, John has many ways to kill a man just with his own fists, but it is a lot harder to kill a man with just your fists. I, but I, then, I, I, but the then th- halfway through the fight, they introduce the knife as well, which mm. I think evens out the skill levels. I, I think it's a problem that they've put themselves into at the end, because you're talking about how those alternate cuts, and at one point they had John just shoot him, and mm-hmm. that feels like the most right thing based on the rest of the mm-hmm. movie. But I understand also why they didn't want to do that because the, the problem is, is that you're tacking on this extra sort of part after you've already killed the main bad guy that we all, the audience all cares about dying. I mm-hmm. think the problem there is that if he just shoots him, it feels like we've had unstoppable John Wick the whole movie and you've tacked on this extra bit at the end and he just sort of succeeds with no like difficulty at the end again. Yeah. It feels like at that point, it maybe no, if you're going to attack on another bit, it has to be something that actually challenges them. It just doesn't feel mm-hmm. like the challenge is Aaron because this character is not really, I don't know, he's not embodied that throughout the movie, I guess. I guess I guess the thing that, as an audience, you have to wonder whether or not you deserve, whether or not the movie has to have the final fight be the big fight, whether or not it has to be the emotional crescendo. Because obviously, if we're talking about the person who needed to die, he wasn't a threat at all. He went down with the single bullet and no punches thrown. He was literally the weakest character, but he was the one that needed to die the most. In contrast, I'd say the hardest fight that John actually had in the whole movie was the guy who threw him over the railing in the fight, the nightclub scene. Yeah, yeah. And that guy, I don't even think he had a name. He had a few spoken lines. He actually managed to be a character for a while, but... But when he, he did end up dying, it was nothing to the plot. Yeah, but but it felt like a bigger deal, kind of, in a way, because just through being going toe-to-toe with John Wick in the way he did for a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. to, gave us, like, because that was his sole character, it was like, oh, this is a guy that's actually holding his own for a little bit, and that's his entire thing. So it felt like we learned through just the action scene what we need to know about him and, and you know, in the scene itself. Um, whereas mm-hmm. Vigo's got all this other stuff throughout the whole movie, so it, it feels out of place. And he's also—I don't know if he's that much older necessarily, because Keanu Reeves is maybe like fifty already when he, the time yeah. he's making this movie. But uh, he seems a little bit older. He's a bit greyer than, than Keanu yeah, is, um, for sure. So, I, to, I mean, to answer that question you posed there, should the last fight be the emotional crescendo? I don't think it has to be the biggest fight. It doesn't have to be the most bombastic. It doesn't have to be the most impressive fight from an action standpoint. But mm-hmm. I think the emotional crescendo, it should be. It, like, I think okay. the way you restructure it a little bit to make that happen is you have to have him, if you want to have a fight at the end, you have to have the fight at the end being what John has to get through to get his hands on Yosef. The fact that he got yeah. his hands on Yosef already, and this is kind of like an aftermath of that, just mm-hmm. feels a bit weird. Like like I say, this last 15, 20 minutes just feels oddly kind of tacked on. I, don't get me wrong, Vigo is this dangling thread that he's still around, mm-hmm. But I just don't think it's... I'm just not that excited about the getting to him at the end, you know? Yeah, no, they they do nothing to really set up that... Because that's the thing, is that Vigo says, oh, you'll leave me alone, whatever. And to be fair, I think that if Vigo had killed Marcus, because Marcus 
He said he'd take the contract, and then he obviously defended John. Mm -hmm. So in their honor-bound system, I feel that there is some reason that Marcus should be allowed to die. Maybe, you know, it wouldn't be good, but whatever. I think the only reason that John has to go then kill Vigo is because Vigo gloats about it. He calls up John and says, I killed your friend, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's the only thing that sets him, in the story at least, as a reason for him to die. Honestly, it's actually more interesting to me that he weaseled out and gave up his son and then feels bad about it. Honestly, I, I think, obviously, you'd have to change the second movie, and I think the second movie is mm -hmm. good, so I'm not saying that they should change the second movie, but in the context of this movie yep. before the second one exists, I think mm -hmm. the character of Vigo is more interesting to me if he's still around in the world and has yeah. this weird shame that he let his son be killed by John Wick because he's, he's, he's scared of John Wick, and have mm -hmm. him, like, you could have him almost be someone that the main villain in a, a sequel, if not the second, maybe a later sequel, like a main mm -hmm. villain in a later sequel goes to for help against John Wick because oh he has he has a vendetta he has a grudge, like yeah. you could have left that dangling. I don't think it'd have felt that weird. I mean, I think they even set up the reasons why he'd still be a good villain in the movie is that John burned all of his blackmail against the city. So immediately after yeah, this yeah. movie, if he's still alive, he's rapidly losing power. He's rapidly losing his stance in the world. If, and... I, if anything, like the way you would have probably written the second one, and again, this none of this is a knock on the second one. I'm just purely speaking mm -hmm. from the context of this movie on its own. Um, but if you were applying a sequel for the second one and keeping Vigo alive, you would assume the sequel's plot would probably be Vigo using whatever resources he has to hire the match for John Wick to take him mm -hmm. out. Like whoever whoever could take out John Wick, that's who he wants, and that's who he's yeah. going to go after. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of strange. It's it's um the one movie that it reminds me of, and I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, the original Taken. Ah, yeah, I've seen Taken. It's been a while, but so, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, so at the very end of the movie, spoilers for Taken, I guess. Um, there is the fight scene between Liam Neeson and like the big muscle, the big guy, and it takes him a lot of effort to get through the muscle. He he is all beaten up. He's horribly beaten down, but he does manage to get through. But then at the very end, there's the rich guy. There's like the guy who actually is the one who needs to be punished here. But he's old and frail and Liam Neeson just shoots him. And it's like, that's it. That's the end of it. And I feel like that's kind of what needed to happen here for Vigo's end fight to be a thing is that I don't feel that John Wick was properly beaten up on his way to Vigo. I feel like he sure. managed to pretty much stay on top of things. So then by the time they got to Vigo, that's where he had to be beaten up. And that's why they gave Vigo the knife. That's why they had John get stabbed. And I, I, yeah, that, it's only in the end of that that but it that's, allowed it to This is only addressing the problem that I don't think is the problem, though. This is addressing mm -hmm. it not being the biggest action climax compared to the rest of the movie. This is not addressing the emotional climax issue. I don't yeah. think that any of that solves the fact that we don't care as much about this and it feels kind of tacked on because... We care more about Yosef being killed. So I think Yosef has to be killed at the end and you have to go through whatever the final fight is to get to Yosef. And that'll give it stakes. That'll give it the feeling that we care about it as an audience. That's the so, part that's missing. So let me ask you this. Let's say that the movie was slightly restructured and everything still played out, but Yosef managed to escape the safe house and get back to his dad. And then everything else in the movie happens the exact same. They kill Marcus. They're going to fly away. They're going to leave via chopper. And he's taking his son with him. And then the exact same fight scenes play out. But then as soon as Vigo is killed, 
He walks over to the car where Yosef still is and then kills him there. Do you think that that's a better structure? It's better. It, I mean, you would still have some problems of like, does Vigo feel like he should be able to take on John in a fight? I think it's still a valid criticism. I think mm. it's the second criticism. I think the first criticism is the emotional climax. I think if after that fight with Vigo, he walks over and finally gets his hands on Yosef, it, mm. it makes the, the crescendo of the, the emotional climax, the, the build to what we've been waiting for, it would make all that feel more important and make it all feel like it's the actual ending to the movie as opposed yeah. to being after the ending to the movie, like it does <laughs> now. Yeah, I mean, that's entirely fair. I, I agree that that is probably the one pacing issue that I will give the movie, is that it's just the ending's in the wrong spot. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds like I'm, you know, it sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm ragging on it a, a lot here. I, no. we're, you know, we're, we're critiquing, I think, what are the, the valid problems with the movie and what mm-hmm. is otherwise a really solid action film. But I do think this is like, it really much like I I do remember liking John Wick two more, and I expect to like mm. it more again now that we watch it. And I think part of it is because it feels like you have this kind of simple, slightly flawed movie that sets up the world, but all the potentials there for like the better movie to come along and nail the pacing, nail mm. the big bad, nail all the elements that are going to make it the the the, the right John Wick story, and. You know, I'm not saying two is the best one because I've not seen three, and four might be amazing when it comes out. Yeah. I have no idea. We'll see. We'll we'll go, we'll see how it progresses. But I think mm-hmm. this has great action scenes. It has a pretty interesting world that it sets up, but it does have some pacing issues. Uh, particularly the the ending feels like weirdly tacked on after the fact. But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I am. I think it, you know, it's good with some flaws. Uh. And yeah. I see why people are into it and why they like it. I kind of like it for the same reasons, but I do also think it was kind of, it was put on a bit of a pedestal when it came out that was maybe just a little too, yeah, too high up. But yeah, yeah. I can see that. Uh, so it feels like I'm being like a, you know, like a negative <laughs> Nancy. Like, but it's just because, you know, I think it's good. It's just not quite that yeah. amazing. I mean, audience, you can obviously interpret that as he hates John Wick. Uh, <laughs> This franchise will be below the Santa Claus in all things. So. No, no, no. That, this is better than all the Santa Claus movies, so let's not <laughs> pretend otherwise. Um, but, uh, you know, I... I guess, should we just say how the movie actually officially ends? Oh, sure, yeah. I was about to go into the ratings, but you're right. So we yeah. see him arrive at the vet, and he's watching the video of his wife, and he kills over like he's letting himself die. And I think this is where it kind of wraps around and makes his arc kind of complete is that mm. I think the reason why his wife gave him the dog is she didn't want him to just give up. She wanted him to mm. keep on living, and this was a sort of help, way to help him do that. And at this moment here, he's literally dying, and it seems like he is dying on, on the on the road next to the, the vet. And mm. it feels like he has died. But he then chooses to get up and keep living. And I think him getting in and finding a new dog that looks like he needs an owner, he's like, this is a dog well, for it's- me. It's important he goes into the vet not for a dog foremost. It's to get the staple gun to close his stitches again. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like, yeah. yeah. The, the point is, is he chooses to live. And part yeah. of that is he chooses a new dog to, to sort of help him through this going forward. So mm-hmm. it's the, he, you know, he's making the choice his wife wanted to make. He just had to go through all this turmoil. So this is why I'm saying that if there was never a sequel to this movie, this ending would be perfect for him. It's that yeah. he's choosing to live the healthy way after this. He's dealt with the, the thing that interrupted his life, and he's you know he's he's done mm-hmm. with it. But he's taking the dog, uh, the new dog, and he's going to go and do what his wife wanted to do, which is to live uh, with this you know 
you know, yeah. this this friend who's going to help him through it. You know, so that that's ultimately what the ending is. He's just choosing to live and not just give up, uh, mm. and whatever that means for him. So you know, that, that works. It's just simple. It, you know, it's effective. Yeah. No, I I think I think it makes sense from where the movie set it up, and they do have a nice little moment here of we see him playing this video of his wife a few times. Yeah, and they keep on saying the, the he keeps on ending watching it with uh the wife saying come on let's go home and that's like the phrase that gets him back on his feet at the end of the movie is the wife says come on let's go home and that's where he like stands up and just starts walking again yeah i think that it is a good closure to the entire thing of Mm -hmm. you know he's going through he's getting the new dog and all that i'll say i'm not sure anything that Sorry, go uh, ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm, I'm not I'm not sure you need to show some of it at the start of the movie though. I I feel like that was maybe just to try and no. you know because a yeah. lot of TV shows do this where they'll show you a little bit of the ending at the start of an episode and then go you know forty hours earlier. How are we going to get yeah. to that point? I don't think it. I don't think you needed it. But you know, no. that's what I mean. Yeah, no, it 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 easily could have just been if if any video editor wants to take those first thirty seconds and just put them back in where they're supposed to go it's going to work just as fine as a movie. It was literally, it's just the eye catch so that when you're going into the movie and it opens up with him, you know, going to his wife's funeral and then his dog dies and then you have to wait 30 minutes for him to actually fire a gun. It's like, no, trust us guys. There will be action. Like, yeah, they thought people would just walk out of the theater. Um, But no, the only issue I really have with the ending is that the last shot of the movie is just him walking with the dog down like the pier or Mm -hmm. something like that. And then it just cuts to city shots as the credits start. And I feel like I could have used just, I don't know what else, but just like one more shot, one extra thing. I don't even know what I'm looking for, but it just felt a bit too sudden of a cutoff for me. That's fair. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'm sitting down in bed and the dog's sitting next to him or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe that, maybe like going back to the graveyard or something like that, and that's where the last shot of him walking the dog is. Maybe, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe they they do a specific thing of showing him lay down his wife's bracelet and the dog's collar, both on his nightstand. So maybe something with that. Mm, I don't yeah. know. I just feel like there's there was one extra shot missing where it could have really laid out the emotional closure, but this one it just felt like a very sudden stop. Maybe he goes to the store and buys a bunch of cement mixture. Maybe he gets some kibble. I get some kibble. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. But my, my but the point I was making is he's going to like you know put all that floor back in that he smashed with a sledgehammer. Yeah. He's, going to, he's going to cover up his secret life again. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it is a really solid movie. Uh, it was ahead of the time for giving people a thing that was kind of missing in movies like just straight up action movies that weren't superhero movies but just kind of gone for a long time yeah and i would even say there's that many of them now still but this at least one franchise has been able to kind of like hey we can have this uh i think mm-hmm. it's this and mission impossible uh and mission impossible i i you know i i will say I've, I've said it before i'll say it again and we're going to do those next year for the last one coming out is yes that that franchise kind of found a new life and i think the reason why it's been so successful like from four onwards is because instead of just doing lots of cg that franchise is based entirely around stunts it's stunt action yeah that's the thing i think i feel like there are three different types of action movies there's stunt there's 
the like disaster movie where it's just big action set pieces of the world falling apart. Mm -hmm. And then there's this, which is the choreography action movie. And I think that's what was missing the longest. And most superhero falls into, I mean, you call it disaster. I don't know if I use that word, but given what you mean by that, the superhero falls into that category. Yeah, absolutely. By and large. Uh, So yeah. uh, Yeah. John Wick, I suppose we should rate the movie then. Uh, Sure. I don't suppose I can get you to go first. Never. <laughs> of course. Um, okay. So I don't want to go too high because, yes, there are a little bit of pacing issues, and this is a very well-told story. It does a great job of laying out the characters. It makes it clear who John wants revenge on, and everything is just crystal clear laid out. I know in a lot of action movies, especially we were complaining with Turtles, it just gets muddied when you throw in too much too quick. This does a fantastic job of making sure everything is crystal clear. Mm-hmm. And you were talking at the very beginning about the geography of knowing where each fight scene led into the next. And it was very clear in that. I always kept a good sense of that. I feel that this movie was made by people who know these stunts, know these sort of action movies, and know what is required to make them good. Um so the only real pacing that you come into, or the only real issue you come into, is the pacing. It almost feels like the, the plot is secondary to, like, just the type of scenes that they wanted to do in an action movie. And then the, yeah. the plot was kind of written around achieving those. But it, but it never felt contrived. It never no, felt no. like, oh, we, how are we going to end him up at a nightclub? We'll have him just happen to know the nightclub owner who just happens to call him and say that. That's like, no, it makes sense that he ends up every place that he ends up. So overall, in terms of rating, I'm going to give this one I'm between an 8 and an 8.5, and I think I'm going to go with the 8, just so I have some room to grow, if you're saying that the second one is actually better. Yeah. Um, Joe is so funny. I just noticed the name in the credits there. Uh, mm. And I think it was probably the doorman. Actually, now I'm thinking about it because you you only see like part of his face. The way it's shot, it's kind of like it's kind of like an over the shoulder from the front, where you're mainly focused on John Wick and you're just seeing like part of his face for most uh-huh. of the, most of the scene. Um, we've got another connection to a turtles movie because oh, that is apparently Kevin Nash, <laughs> the the wrestler who really? played Super Shredder. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about it, yeah, because he, oh, he's got, like, obviously the silver hair and beard now versus, like, what mm. he used to look like. Uh, now I'm thinking about it. He's in the credits, though, so. Yeah. As an old Turtles connection. Oh, boy, everything coming up, Turtles. Yeah, we got a connection to classic Turtles. We got a connection to <laughs> modern Turtles. So, uh, clearly, John Wick 4 is just going to be Heroes in a Half Show. Of course. Um, for the record... Uh, we never mentioned uh, Perkins and she gets assassinated by Ian McShane and, and a bunch of his yep. men for breaking the and rules it, of the Continental. It honestly comes out of nowhere as well. It's just she gets a call. She goes to a random location. Ian McShane walks out saying, like, you grew up with the, you broke the rules by and then just get shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... It's, it's, so, yeah, it's, I it's, said, hey, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, I'm going seven. Uh, seven out of ten for oh, me. Oh, okay. On John Wick. It's good. It's a good movie. Good action scenes. Uh, pretty typical plot, but, you know, it, it builds its character pretty well. Uh, some of the action scenes are quite memorable. And uh, the world that it's introduced, 
seems seems ripe for for more exploration and that's obviously what the sequels are going to get into so right. uh yeah so yeah we'll get into uh john wick 2 next time uh also worth mentioning the bonus episode to go along with this uh for this month for uh, also with this theme is uh we're doing peppermint uh, the yes. jennifer garner action movie we basically said okay what's the sort of john wicky not a knockoff per se but just uh, some sort yeah. of revenge story ballerina isn't out yet so what can we do as an extra yes and we went with uh peppermint for whatever reason but uh, uh so what that's one it. thing yeah our our secondary rating scale does it make the cut uh, oh yeah it makes a cut <laughs> yeah absolutely i didn't know if you were gonna push for the extra like cut, cut above Cut above, yeah. No, I think this one just makes the cut. Uh, I'm, yeah. you know, I think this is good. I don't think it's, you know, amazing. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think it's worth checking out. I definitely think yeah. that it is. If you, I'd say it's it's a must-have for anyone who enjoys a good choreographed action film. Yeah, I think that's but fair to say. I don't think that it's just a must-have for anyone who enjoys cinema as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, so, wait. Hold on a second. Hold on, is this another connection to another franchise we've done? Like I mean, just... it's just going to start happening more and more as we continue. I know, on. but it's like we've only had a few so far. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm just, I, I may be wrong on this one. Let me just, let me just double do, do a little right. quick check. Well, I'll sit here. Uh, hey, everybody. No, we okay, have a no, 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 no. I, I, I was, I was, uh, I was imagining things. All right, never mind. Right, uh, so anyway, this is, uh, this has been. John Wick. Uh, so yes. yes. As, as I was mentioning, yeah, patreon.com slash TV. You can support us over there and get bonus content. Uh, $3 a month will get you access to the bonus episode, which for this month is uh, Peppermint, but there's been one for each month that we've, since we've started the show. So there's a little back catalogue starting to form. They're usually yep. tangentially related to whatever the main theme is uh, of the month. Uh, but, you know, uh, sometimes they're more tied than others. Uh, obviously, the $5 tier, you also get access to Collector's Cut Extra Reels, which is another bonus episode where we'll do some sort of so bad it's good b-movie well hopefully you know yeah so so far we've had good recommendations and they've all panned out but i mean eventually mm-hmm. we're going to hit some probably a less actual than... trash yeah uh but uh yeah so far on that we've done miami connection and deadly prey which are both hoots uh to varying degrees so yep check out those uh and of course uh you can support us simply by liking subscribing dinging the bell uh rating the podcast on itunes or wherever your podcast from all that stuff does help and just to wrap up, I will thank our Patreon producers. So thank you to Tyler Hesson, the Palacios, Board Now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Al Treisman. And thank you to everyone who supports us in any way. But that is the that's the show. So yeah. uh hopefully you enjoyed us having a look at John Wick, and we'll be back next time with John Wick 2. And you know what? Credit for using numbers, because so many franchises now are scared of putting numbers in their titles. I appreciate the simple naming format. I really right do. Up, right up until they break it with chapter three slash parabellum. At least it's still a number, though. It's still a number. Yeah. Like I, I see. See if they do the thing where like John Wick Five just John Wick colon like the final Wick or something like that. I'll be pissed. Yeah. I'll be no, pissed. No, it's gonna. At that. It's gonna just be called Wick, and then oh. you're also going to have like the next movie, which is just gonna be called like the John Wick. Oh, God, no, don't, don't, don't. Just to really screw with you. Yeah, just, just you wait until we do Fast and the Furious because I am going to take yeah. a rant about those titles. Anyway, yeah. 
that's the show that's big collector's cut thank you very much for joining us we'll see you next time keep watching movies and yeah i'm thinking i'm back